You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, John Clark, helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. Today, I'm sitting down with Rich Allen from tortoprofit.com. Uh, Rich is uh, has become kind of a colleague and, and friend of mine over the years. We've been in uh, our own mastermind group together for, for quite a while now. Um, Rich is a seasoned uh, business owner and business coach. He's worked in some very uh, some very large companies. He's led very large teams before. Um, he's a very unique guest, and he has a very unique way of understanding and working on our businesses. This is honestly one of the best episodes um, that I think we've had in quite a while. Um, He was just an outstanding guest and provided a ton of value in a short period of time. So I'm excited to to, uh, introduce you to Rich Allen today. Um, As always, um, if you want to support this show, all you have to do is share your favorite episode with a friend or two, help us grow the show. You can also find us on YouTube. That channel is growing like crazy. And if you want to learn more about our offerings, you can head to privatepracticeworkshop.com to, uh, learn more. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's just do it. Here we go. Let's dive in. Rich Allen is on the show with me today. Rich, like I said, long time no see. I just saw you this morning, and now we're back at it. So thanks for coming on the show. How's yeah, how's your week going? Yeah, things are great. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. I gave the kind of official introduction, the short bio, um, before we got started here in this episode, but maybe fill, pe- fill people in a little bit more on kind of uh, who you are and how you got here. Well, you know... Um, it's uh, I, I won't I won't bore the, your audience with all the details, but but the backstory is John that you know I came from a large family. I've got eleven brothers and sisters. That might make me a perfect client for many of your um, <laughs> folks, anyway. Um, but coming from a large family, uh, things were pretty dysfunctional. Uh, but my dad was a hardworking guy, and when he was thirty six years old, he made the probably the boldest decision of his life to try to start his own business because he knew that he could probably control his life a little more himself if he could do it by himself rather than work for other people. He was working three jobs at the time. And so he started and launched this window washing business. See, he, he had a he had a dream, John. He had He had a vision. He wanted to build a business and leave a legacy for his 12 children. And while he was really good at his trade, he had no clue how to run a business. And, and so he struggled mightily for a long, long time. And, um, and I was right there with him. I was slave labor, working in the trenches with him. Um, and after a while, each one of us boys that were working with him at the time, we all left to go seek greener pastures because, frankly, it was a nightmare. And I decided that I wanted to figure out what it was my dad was missing. What, what did he not know that he should have known when he started his business so that he could make it successful? And that's what got me to where I'm at today. Yeah. This is not unlike many of our listeners who 
they start a private practice because they're a good therapist. They know how to get clients results. And it's almost like uh, what I call becoming an accidental business owner. <laughs> it's kind of like exactly. you start a little private practice on the side, you know, it's just, you know, cash or check only. And then all of a sudden I need a credit card processor. And then all of a sudden I've got a, I've got a team of seven other therapists and holy crap, I'm a business owner. <laughs> right. And now I have a business. I'm not just a therapist, right? I've, I've got, because the practice side, everybody knows yeah, <clears throat> really, really well. But no one teaches us how yeah. to run a business. Yeah. For any we practitioner. Along. Exactly. Any practitioner, any specialist, any, a lot of trade people. I mean, it's so applicable for anyone who really provides a service and has an, usually an intense or really a disproportionate amount of training on how to deliver that service. And that's it. And so the reason that my job exists is because therapists are not trained on business similar to um, doctors, chiropractors, um, many uh, other industries. Yeah. Yeah. Plumbers, you name it. Yeah. Virtually everybody who's got their own business, I'd say 95% of them didn't yeah. go to school to learn how to run a business. Yeah. So there's this item behind you on the wall. And the first time I heard you talk about it, you brought either that one or something like it to, to, to a live event and gave a talk about it. Um, but you have a metaphor for business that I really like a lot. Yeah. So I use, uh, I, I use John, a, a bike as a metaphor for a business. And there's a little bit of a backstory behind that, right? Years ago, I had the opportunity to, to jump into a business myself and run a business for myself. I, we acquired a, a small manufacturing firm. We had probably 220 people in the business. We're doing 30 million a year or so in revenues. And I had a chance to go run it. So I thought for the very first time, great, I get to put in practice all these things that I'd been studying and learning about how to run a business. And, you know, John, when I got there, obviously all the book learning and all the stuff that I've been doing on the side, when you weren't in the practical application of it, all of a sudden it didn't all make sense to me. And the biggest gap that I found was how do you talk to people about what a business is all about? Because most of what you want to do in a business is the business owner doesn't need to take on all the responsibility. Otherwise, we get totally wore out. That's why most people who own a business are exhausted at the end of every day. What we really want to do is get everybody who works for us to understand what we're trying to accomplish and have them come along with us. And what I found was a bike was a perfect way to make a business understandable for people who didn't have a clue how a business worked. So I've worked on this metaphor for probably the last 20, 25 years. I've kind of perfected it. Every part of a bike relates to a component or an element in a business, and it all fits together really nicely. So mm -hmm. I carry this bike everywhere I go. <laughs> There could be smaller props to be to, to be had, but it's a it's a good one, yeah. and it means something to you too because you also ride bikes, right? <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, it's a sport, so I get to I, I get to enjoy my sport at the same time I'm doing business, and that's like a dream come true. Yeah. So remind me of an example of some of the main kind of parts of the bike. If we're visualizing a bike, what are the main parts as they relate to the uh, a business? Yeah, let's start where it makes sense. I think to everybody who's listening and, and everybody that's there, right, If we all know how to ride a bike. That's the beautiful part of this, right? We've all, I'd say most people have ridden a bike or, or, or do it really well. When we were kids and we rode a bike, 
it was really cool if we could ride a bike without using the handlebars, right? Yeah. <laughs> Our hands in the air, um, that, that made us part of the cool kid group. The reality is though, as business owners, we've got to hold on, we got to grab the handlebars and we have to steer our business just like we would steer a bike. So the handlebars represent our, our ability to steer our business. So how do you steer a business? Well, I think you steer a business with three things. A compelling vision of what you want the business to look like three to five, maybe 10 years in the future. But what are you trying to accomplish? And is it compelling enough for somebody else to come along and say, man, I want to be I want to help you make that happen. I want to be a part of that. Right. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, what's the cause? What's the purpose? What's the bigger thing than just putting lining your your pockets with money? What's the thing you're going to do in the world that's going to make a difference because of the business? I People love working for folks who have a purpose that's greater than just themselves. Yeah. And then the third piece of steering a business is how do you set the standard on which you're going to run your business? So what's the what's the premise? What's the what's the level of quality that you're going to provide so that everybody in the business knows what your expectations are? If we can do those three things, we can steer our business. That's how yeah. that's the first and foremost thing we have to do. I love it. Uh, Rich, you're a business coach. So when you go, when you start a new, um, uh, you know, a new relationship with a business owner, they need help. There's some sort of pain point that, that has made it bad enough to call you, right? Or to say either I've got pain points or I know I can do more and I want your help doing more. How do you figure out which, which part of the bike to focus on first? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's largely, um, a, a function of listening. I do a little bit of what you do, what yeah. you're so gifted at, right? Is to to listen and assess what and where I start typically is asking someone where they want to be in the yeah. future and why did they get into the business. Yeah, those two questions can help me understand whether there's even some clarity on it or whether they, like you said, became an accidental business owner. They didn't realize it, but all of a sudden something happened. They were, they either left a, another practice or all of a sudden they found themselves self-employed. Yeah. Or if they really had an intentional purpose to do what they're doing. And, and that really kind of helps you understand where the problems might be in the business. A lot of people think, well, I, you know, I didn't start with a vision, so maybe it's too late to create one. Or they even think, hey, I'm a, I'm a solo business owner. Um, so I probably don't need a vision. What would you say to those people? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible said, without a vision, the people perish. And, and I, think that's, I think that's true no matter what your religious beliefs are. I, I just think that we, what gets us up in the morning, John, when, when we really don't feel like doing anything, is the vision that we have for the business. It might be to take care of our family. It might be to... To you know, to be able to make an impact on a particular mission or purpose, yeah. whatever it might be, but that, that's what gets us out of bed. So whether we're doing it solo, or whether we've got a small team, whether we've been doing it for ten years, I will tell you. I tell people every two or three years, you got to pull that thing out, dust it off, because it changes. Right? Yeah. Nobody gets it right. I've I've rewritten mine a hundred times. Yeah. But I still need something that I can go to. When I question why I'm doing this, yep. without it, 
I, I'm just going to sit in the corner and do nothing. Yeah. This morning, you know, we were we were in our our uh, uh, one of my mastermind groups. It's called Business Made Human, and one of the members was saying, "All right, guys, I've got all this stuff." going on in my business. My billing is messed up. I My scheduler just quit, right? I haven't really trained my virtual assistant yet. I'm busy seeing clients in the practice. I need to hire more people, etc. right? I also want to create passive income. You know, I want to launch an online course and all this stuff. H- how do I do it, guys, right? And the first question I asked her was, what is the vision, right? Or what is, what's the result you're hoping will happen, yeah. as a result of, you know, what you do next, right? Because until we figure that part out, um, you're just going to be reacting randomly to things, right? Or you'll just be putting out fires, which is how many business owners operate every single day. Certainly how I operated for years. You've seen me go through it in our own mastermind group um, yeah. in, in figuring that out, right? But without that, you will just be reacting to whatever happens next, right? It's a very reactive place to be as a business owner. Same thing with within your 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 life, right? And our personal lives. If we don't have some idea of, of where we'd like to go and also our values, what we believe, you know, about how we should get there, then, um, then we'll just be reacting randomly to what happens next. You know, it's a, it, here's the thing that's interesting to me, John, is that business isn't complicated. It's whether we're dealing with our own personal health, our personal relationships, yep. um, whatever it might be, we have to take the same approach. We got to ask the question, what do we want? <clears throat> Where are we at now? Yep. What's what's in the gap? And what are the most important things I can do right now? Yep. And, and that's kind of the same process that we take in business, just with our life, with my relationship with my wife or with my kids. I got to ask the question, what do I want it to look like? What's it like today? What's in the gap? And what's the most impactful thing I could do right now today to get me closer? Yeah. And and all I do is in the back of my mind, of course, I'm thinking in terms of bicycle terms and bicycle parts. So that's the only thing that makes it a little bit different, just makes it a little sticky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and part of it also comes down to, um, yeah, like you said, I like that you said, you know, going back to why you got into this in the first place. I think that's an essential part of business because this stuff can and will change and evolve over time, right? Kind of your why is something that we have to constantly kind of rediscover. And as a business owner, unless you work with a business coach, there really isn't someone asking you these tough questions, right? Um, Right. Yeah. Or we give some kind of a um, surface level answer, which is what we're all prone to do, right? No one's going to open up and let you go deep unless you build a relationship. And so the first answer you get is something really surface level, right? But in my case, right, the reality was I watched my dad work his business for, gosh, he had to be over 50 years, struggled every day, missed all the beauty of watching his family grow, being a part of it. You know, I've I've said this before, you know, in my sport of choice when I was growing up was I was a runner. I was a pretty good runner. I've run the Boston Marathon, right? I'm pretty pretty talented. My dad never saw me race. Yeah. In high school, I was outstanding. He never showed up for one because he was always fussing with the business in the business. He missed all of that. And he, and he died a lonely man, frustrated, angry. 
And, and it didn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I see so many business owners who struggle just mightily with what looks to be pretty doable things, but they're stuck in their own reality. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have somebody to see the help, help them watch what they're doing so that they can help them find a path out. Yeah. But business owners usually don't need help working more. They need help working less, right? And they need help uh, building a business that they can trust, right? And that they can truly yeah. clock out of at the end of the day. What happens more often is that people create a business that's completely untenable. It's completely out of control. And they're, you know, right now it's checking email at the dinner table, you know, working till 1130 p.m. every night because there's always something, right? It's kind of like... uh uh, owning a house, right? There's always something around the house to be fixed, right? Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, and John, here's the, you know, uh, let me just relate that to the bicycle because I always, I always ask, where's the business owner? Yeah. And most business owners who aren't thinking about it or just thinking about it off the top of their head, they'll say, well, they're obviously the one pedaling. And I, the way I think about it is if you think about a cycling team and I'm a big cycling fan, so mm -hmm. I watch the Tour de France all the time. The owner of the team isn't on a bike. Mm -hmm. They're in a car on a radio speaking into the headphones of everybody who's on their team on the bikes. And they're basically giving them instructions and helping guide them through the course. But they're not on the bike. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, we as business owners, when we start out, we have to first be on the bike and pedal it. But then we assume that's our job. Yeah. And we never give it up yep. when we should, yep. sooner than later. We get in the way of our own business scaling, right? So again, going back to my, my client this morning, who may be listening, so I'm going to pick on her a little bit. Um, because she's so stuck seeing clients every day, managing the billing, doing all these things, and her clinicians are there, they're ready, they're fired up and ready to work right? And to do more work, to take on some of those clients for her, right? But she's literally the thing preventing her business from scaling, right? Yeah. And so then people go, well, but I got to make money, right? It's kind of like, I've got to, you know, got I've got to run the car wash. Yeah. Um, people don't realize we're, you, we're often losing money actually, because we're getting in the way of our own business growing, right? So sometimes we need to kind of eat the cost right now, and it's a time versus money thing, right? But we need to eat the cost right now of stepping out of the business to really work on it. And there might be that period where the numbers go down so they can then skyrocket up, right? That's what I find. There's a bit of triage that often needs to happen. When I work with a new you know, business owner and we're starting uh, you know, that work together. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And, and here's an interesting um, aside. It, it, I, I, what I've found over the years that I've been doing this is some of the best business owners don't work in the business at all. In fact, many of them don't know how to do the technical aspects yeah. of the work. I think it's almost it's almost a hindrance for somebody to be extremely talented at the skill yep. or their trade because then they don't want to leave it or they don't yeah. think others can do it as well as they can. So they yeah. take the Superhero toughest one, they take the yeah. most challenging customer. Right. Yeah. Rather than just saying, look, that's not that's not my role. Yeah. That's your role. I'll support you. You take care of the client. Yeah. This part is huge because 
being a business owner also sometimes means leaning into things you haven't done before, leaning into areas outside of our zone of, of genius, right? Um, especially in the beginning, especially if you're a small team, you may be managing things like, for instance, um, you, you know, your bookkeeping until you outsource it, right? Um, your scheduling until you outsource it, et cetera. So you might be working in some of those parts of your business. Um, and I think some of that is important too, so that you know how the different parts of your business work, right? You know how to tune the bike up because you know how these different parts of the bike work and you know how they need to work in unison, right? And then you're able to supervise them right? If you really know how it all fits together, but the, the extracting oneself from the business is the part where most, a lot of the, at least most business owners that I work w- with, they stay stuck in that mode for most of their careers. They do. And, and John, I have a, I have a theory behind that on why that happens. And that is that most oftentimes people try to hire somebody when they're in a desperate situation. We typically are hiring long after we should have been hiring someone. And so as a result, we are quick to hire. So we hire somebody that someone referred to us, somebody's fr- a friend of a friend, a relative, yeah. uh, our wife's nephew's son, <laughs> yeah. might be, right? And, and we just, and we make it, we try to make it work rather than planning it ahead, focusing on their behaviors rather than their skills so that we can get the people that, on, on our team that are going to act and behave to our customers the way that we want them to be. And then that way, that will give us ultimate confidence in them. We'll, we'll let them run. But otherwise, we're hiring people who can't quite do all the jobs. So we have to look over their shoulder. We have to make sure that it's perfect or the way we want it. And, and we just, we don't put the time into hiring the people the right way. Yeah. So Rich, you, you've worked with, I mean, you've worked with large teams, you've worked with teams of hundreds of people, you've gone into new companies where your job is to really get, you know, hundreds of people on the same page. In your current business, in, in being a business coach, um, when you started this process, how did you figure out for yourself what your first hire is? Because your, your business model is quite similar to that of even a therapist, right? Or a therapist who sure. people hire me for my time. Right, or at least that's step one, right, of a of a coaching or consulting right. business. So, how did you decide um, when to get help and what kind of help to get first? That's a great question, John. I think the answer to that's the same for all of us, right? We ought to be. I, I know there's a process you can go through, build a use a Venn diagram to come up with what they call your zone of genius. Yeah. Right, and we all have one. Right, it's the it's what we're good at, what we uh, what we can what we enjoy, what we can be the best in the world at, and what we can make money at. The yeah. three things that are required, what is that? And if it's if it's not that, if we can't spend at least 50% or more of our time in that, we shouldn't be doing the other things. Each one of us has a different zone. Yeah. So we ought to ask ourselves, what's my zone of genius? And I'm gonna hire somebody to do the things that are outside of that. So here's what I would say is that in most cases, that somebody is an administrative assistant, number one, in probably 80% of the cases. Because frankly, we aren't that good at doing all the admin stuff. If we're good good therapists, we're probably not good at scheduling, making sure the office is taken care of, stocking supplies, handling billing, invoicing. That's typically where that answer comes. And, and I would just, I'll give one other last piece of advice because this, this has worked so often 
I think it really is true. Most people, the hesitancy is, is feeling like you can afford to hire somebody. And yep. my rule of thumb always is, if you can bring somebody on part-time and you have enough margin in your business to cover half of their salary, 50% of what you think it'll cost, pull the trigger, do it. Yeah. You will quickly rocket right past that. Yeah. That person yeah. will give you so much free time that you'll be able to do so many more billable things, create more revenue streams, yeah. and you'll you'll find yourself far better off. That's yeah. certainly been the case for me and virtually everybody that starts out fresh. It's fascinating, right? Because I agree that most people hire too late. In the case of a therapist, um, if a, if in a single hour, you know, with a client, they're generating $150, $200, right? And for a single client, they're doing that four times a month, right? Or even a single client can generate $1,000 a month for your business, um, and you still don't have help, right? Um, the, the other thing is, you know, therapists who are in session, guess what's happening to their phone? Well, it's ringing and no one's answering it. No one's answering. <laughs> so they're, they're already missing. losing money that they don't even know they're losing, but they can't exactly. bear the thought of really losing money or giving up the money of paying someone for these, these $15 an hour tasks. Right. But in most cases, again, it's already too late. No, that's, uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And you know, the, the, and then we, we, uh, Add insult to injury, I think, John, oftentimes, because one, we hire late, so we don't do a very robust job of selecting the right person. And then we haven't clearly defined and outlined what we want done and how we want it done. We assume that someone's going to come in, read our mind, do it the way we would want to, and everything's going to be perfect and our life's going to be wonderful. And it never works yeah. out. <laughs> so we have to take some time. That's kind of the, that's part of the frame of the bike. We have to put the structure in place because most people, when they come in, they want to see the structure. What am I responsible for? How are you going to measure me? What kind of behaviors do I have to have? That needs to be in place so that people can come in immediately and make a contribution. Yeah. This is huge, right? Um, when I made my very first hire years ago, I made that mistake too, right? I assumed that if I got the person, that she would just read my mind, right? <laughs> right. Start doing all the things that I um, uh, that I wasn't doing or that I was annoyed at doing, and I hadn't even really told her. And I also didn't tell her how I was going to evaluate her. People want to know how they're doing, right? Yeah. The same way you and I want to know, hey, did we did we do good today? Yeah. Doesn't, does, doesn't matter where you're at or how you know far along you are. We all are, we want a bit of a, a measuring stick to go. How how did I do? Right. And so if you don't give this to the people you're working with, um, they're going to be constantly wondering, how am I doing? Or they'll just be assuming I'm probably screwing up. Right. And I see it almost like, you know, one of the best teachers I had in high school, his, his uh, philosophy, and this is not every teacher, was if a student fails, it means I have failed as a teacher. Right. Mm. Given that the student showed up, was, was right. there, was engaged, was ready to learn, I didn't equip them right? With the, the environment to learn, the environment to thrive, right? Clear expectation of what's expected of you, right? What the exam is going to be like. And I, and I now see myself in a similar way as, as a manager. I don't think I did before, but I definitely do now, 
right? So if my if one of my team members is is stressed and overwhelmed and behind, um, there's probably something I've done, right? Putting too much on their plate, not following up enough, right? Encouraging them to take time off, whatever it is. Um, but just taking some of that ownership, you know, and checking in with your team members, perhaps more than you're inclined, is usually not going to hurt, right? Especially not in a micromanaging way, but just in a way of really understanding a person because a lot of times they, they won't speak up about it. A lot of times the, you don't really have an idea of how people are truly doing on your team because you're also the one paying, writing their check, right? Exactly. In fact, I would, you know, let me just build on that a minute, John, because I think it's a huge deal, right? And, and I know things have changed a little bit with this COVID stuff that's going on, but a statistic that came out not long before that said 52% of all employees are actively looking for another job. Wow. So one out of every two. And, and in most cases, it's because they aren't getting the feedback to, to let them know with certainty that they're doing really well or that they know what to be working on. So they're thinking, look, I'll hedge my bets. bets. I'll, I'll look for something else. I'll, yeah. I've got to find something. It's got to be as good as this. So we've yeah. got to go out of our way to communicate. And yeah. particularly now when we're not face to face. Right. We've got to. We've got to raise the bar. Yeah. So, Rich, the model for most private practice owners is, let's say, I'm I'm the boss, right? And I'm basically I'm basically the executive director. I'm the clinical director. I'm the marketing person. I'm the finance person. I'm everything, right? And then I let's say I have a bunch of clinicians whose right. job is to show up, see their clients, and get paid a portion of those fees, right? I take the rest of those fees to uh, run the business, and there's some left over. We hope <laughs> for the profit of the owner. As it relates to people advancing in a private practice, a lot of clinicians, they have literally no future or they feel they have no future because it hasn't been laid out for them. So an example would be a really easy step is to say, we have a new position open for a clinical director of this practice, someone who's going to lead the clinical team, bring interesting trainings you know, to the group, et cetera, like bring in speakers, whatever it is. I really started to realize I think people need to feel like they're progressing forward towards something. Even if you're a team yeah. of three people, right? You're a company of three people. You need to have these kind of levels. Even at my, my uh, wife's new job, they have this whole level system, L1 through yeah. 9, right? <laughs> so she actually knows exactly where she is. She knows exactly what she needs to do to progress. But a lot of the times for clinicians, for therapists, they have no idea and they think, well, so how do I make more money? How do I progress? I just see more clients. So if I'm already seeing 30 a week, what I do, I just see 35 a week. Oh my goodness. And then they burn out. Yeah. So what, what would you say to these, our group practice owners listening? Who yeah. Don't what have I, anything what I say, John, what I, what I typically say to folks, um, what I, what I would say is build your organization chart for what you want the business to be like three years in the future. Yeah. So don't make it for today, build the chart, build the organization structure for the future business and share that with the team so that they yeah. can see opportunity right there on a sheet of paper. Because that yes. is what happens in small businesses. People don't see, they see the owner above them, there's no place to go. And exactly. we all want to have career opportunity. Yeah. We all want to be able to progress. So put in those roles, even though they don't exist, and just put on their future. And, and people will yeah. step up and they'll say, I want to be in that role one yeah. day. And then you can have these conversations and say, well, if you want that, here's what you're going to do to be able to earn it. Exactly. And now I've got something to work with. Exactly. 
that part's that part's huge. You know, what's really interesting is, um, uh, so my wife also used to work at Facebook, which is known for being one of the best companies in the world to work for, one of the best cultures. Right. And she works in learning and development, basically building company culture. Wow. One interesting thing about Facebook is that when people get promoted to managers, it actually doesn't come with a pay raise, at least not automatically. Because part of the reason is there's other ways, there's incentive, you know, ways to be incentivized or to go up in a level. But in terms of people who really step up into leadership, they actually want people to step up into leadership for leadership's sake, right? Not because, well, I want an extra 20 grand a year, right? And now I've got a bunch of, you know, annoying supervisees on my hands. Right. I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about people, you know, rising up and becoming leaders in your, in your team. You know, that's interesting because that is a culture thing, right? Too many people put, make compensation the driver of culture. Yeah. When in fact, compensation makes people make bad decisions. So I like the fact that they separate those two. I think that's a brilliant move. Yeah. Yeah. We're just asking people what motivates them, right? It was, it was Jesse from our group who used to do this with his team members, I'm sure still does, and just sitting down and going, what do you want in life, Right. Right. And the answer is always, we're sometimes quite surprising, right? Yeah, it's not always more money. Exactly. Um, it, it, but money is a measure of advancement. And so we have, to, we have to weigh that in, but it's not the only tool available to us. Yeah. We've got plenty of other tools in the arsenal. Yeah, exactly. I love this stuff. Rich, we could talk for hours, and maybe yes, we, we could, will at some point. <laughs> I'm going to have to have you no, back on. I, I love what you do. I love the fact that you're helping folks in your industry specifically yeah. get get it right. Because, you know, you've got to be, particularly in the world that you're in, you've got to be on your best game That's to right. give me the best service. Exactly. The only way you can do that is if all this other stuff is in the background operating um, exactly. just beautifully. Yeah. So good 100%. on you. Rich, um, no pressure, but if you could give one piece of advice that every small business owner, every, you know, could, every small business owner could hear, what would it be? And then maybe you can close us out with just how people can find out more about you and get in touch. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, the, the big piece of advice I would, I would give is don't be shy about telling your story. You know, you're in an industry where you listen to other people's story and people probably don't hear yours very often. I would say share your story because the people on your team need to hear it. Awesome. And because that's what's going to get them fired up to give you their best effort. And most business owners are pretty they're they're pretty shy about doing that. They want to get on with the work and they want to do what they're doing to provide service to our customer. We got to share our story. That's what, that's what fires people up. I love it. And so, you started this, this interview with, with sharing yours, which is a wonderful way to, to open things up. And also it kind of humanizes you as well, which it, never hurts. It does. And, and people yeah. just need to know that. Look, we're all, we're all in this human relationship. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that matters more than anything. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so if someone wants to go there. If someone does have a team yeah. and they want to get a sense of how well their team is going, yeah. I actually have a free assessment on my website. Perfect. So that way they can see what their team, how their team, or they can get a sense of how their team might be engaged in their business. My website is tourtoprofit.com. So just like Tour de France, one word, Tour de Profit. Um, 
and it's easy. Um, check it out. Would love to love to help if I can. Love it. Doesn't hurt that you have a beautiful website too. So whoever's on your team is doing some good work. <laughs> We're, oh, we're big on websites and marketing here too. And so it, it looks really, really good. Um, so definitely check that, that out, guys. Um, we, will of course, have links to um, to everything in the show notes here if you want to take the free assessment um, and learn more about Rich and, and start to make that connection with him. I, I highly recommend it. Like I said, I've been in, in my own mastermind group with Rich for quite some time now. And um, it's I've just learned something new from him every time we, we meet. So um, anyway, there you have it, folks. Rich Allen. Rich, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you again real soon. John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. There you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rich Allen. Again, head to tortoprofit.com to learn more about Rich and take his free assessment. In the meantime, your homework as always, um, share your favorite episode of this show with a few therapist friends. Help us get the word out. If you want to learn more about working with us, you can always head to privatepracticeworkshop.com. Otherwise, take care of yourselves. Keep doing great work out there in the world, and I'll see you real soon. Cheers. Bye.